Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your co-host, Seth Macy, and today's interview features special guest Aaron King. That's right, we had two Aarons on the podcast today, but we managed to make it through A-OK. Aaron King, also known as Deep Snap on Instagram, and that is an awesome handle. Deep Snap, obviously, because he's snapping photos, and he used to be a professional snapper in football. If you don't know what that is, look it up. We talked about it in the episode, but a little two-way street there on that handle. So he wins the handle of the day award. Let's give it up for him. (laughs) But this interview to me, I'm not going to give too much of it away because I'll let it speak for itself. This interview to me was really impactful in the sense that Aaron is someone who has been on, it seems like both spectrums of highs and lows in life, for example, You know, he was potentially on his way to a career in the NFL and concussions made that dream not possible, you know, for the the sake of his health. He owned a multi-million dollar company, COVID happened, and it went to zero. And I think what's really special about this interview is that even though Aaron had achieved a lot or had a lot that... It was taken away from him through no fault of his own. And there was only really, there's one of two options, right? You can either continue to move forwards or you can crumble. And it sounds like Aaron continued to move forwards. And and that's where photography kind of comes into his story and how being outside, how traveling to all these places, how taking all these photos, how, you know, recording all these videos, getting creative sort of led him to find and understand what's really important and what can't be taken away from you. You know, how you view the world, how you, you know, what, uh, what you put value in, you know, those things can't be taken away from you if they're not materialistic things. And I'm, I'm not speaking on behalf of his value set. This is just sort of my opinion of the episode and what I thought. And, uh, let's play it. Let's roll it. Let's, uh, have you guys take a listen to the episode for yourself, but just some things to keep in mind, uh, which I've already said in this intro. And as always, if you enjoy these episodes, please feel free to give it a rating or a review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Those mean the world to us. We do read the reviews and the ratings help the show rank better. And if you want to take it a step further, and you find that these episodes are really, really helpful, feel free to donate any amount you feel is necessary to the value you receive from these episodes by clicking the PayPal donate link in the episode description. And with that, let's get into today's episode. But first, a word from our sponsor of this episode, Tamron Lenses. Welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Tamron Lenses. Tamron delivers an incredible fusion of performance and value for photographers. The balance between affordability and high performance is so critical and Tamron absolutely has this pinned down. Tamron's lightweight and compact lenses offer incredible image quality and excellent autofocus when tracking subjects, which is especially important for us as wildlife photographers. I've said it before and I'll say it again, the SP 24-70mm f2.8 that I have in my bag is the best performing lens I've ever used in midday light. The color and light balance was incredible for shooting middle of day and that's even without a polarizer. If you want to see the full line of Tamron lenses designed for your camera specifically, you can visit their website by clicking the link in the episode description and you can also visit your nearest authorized photo retailer today. Tamron. Camera lenses that deliver outstanding performance and value. 
What do we got on the agenda today, Aaron? What do you have in mind? You found uh, Mr. King here. Yeah, well, we all we all connected back in the the clubhouse days. The clubhouse um, days. Heavy COVID situation uh, where everyone was, I think, itching to to talk to people and connect, and and that was just an avenue to do so. Um, we've stayed in you know contact every once in a while since then, and um, he's had some great growth, and he's definitely found his niche in terms of I feel like like this cinematic sort of shorts that you're doing. I really love those, and I think you're having fun with those. Um, you've had some great growth in terms of a following and uh, just sort of a, a theme that's gone strong. And I think it's something that you're, you're really digging into and it's steady. It doesn't look like you're, you're searching for like every which thing, like what works. It's just kind of like, this is what I like and this is what I'm going to do and ruthlessly go after it. And with that theme, like looking into his background, there's some definite things that um, have stood out in terms of, his athletics. And I think that sort of perseverance is probably going to be something that we talk about and how that translates. I mean, for one, the one thing that stood out to me more than anything was the 2010 alternate to the Olympic bobsled team. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, what the, how did I miss that? Like, how did I miss that one? And I was like, I need, I need to hear about that and how that even became a thing. Um, So maybe we'll just even start there. Why don't we start with just a full-fledged picture? Because most people listening will be checking out your photography, but there's so much more to you. Content creation, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of sports science background, your football career. Why don't we just start from scratch? Sure, yeah. Uh, my, I grew up in a sports household. So my dad was the one of the OGs of the strength conditioning world. He was the first strength conditioning for the Dallas Mavericks, like third in the NBA. Mm-hmm. And at that same time, he was the assistant strength coach, more of a speed coach for the Dallas Cowboys. And so he wow. was like going from Mavs to Cowboys practice. And the Mavs were the worst team in the NBA. And the Cowboys were winning three Super Bowls in five years. And so I grew up around that environment, you know, in the Mavs locker room or whatever. And then he also coached a couple other local Dallas teams, like in strength conditioning. Um, and then the, uh, the 2002 U S skeleton team, he was a speed coach. So that was the first year they had the skeleton, which is like the luge, but it's head first. Head first. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so the, he pushed, he was the push coach for them. They won two golds and a silver between men's and women's. And so that whole federation came to Dallas that summer to train. Mm-hmm. And I was a senior in high school about to go play college football at UTEP, Texas El Paso I was a minor. And so I'm training, getting ready for college football and I'm training next to people that have won a gold medal, you know, and they were just like, yo, you'd be a good bobsledder. And so it was kind of like foreshadowing into the future just that <laughs> summer. And, um, yeah, I played four years at, at UTEP. We were pretty good at the time. UTEP's not great now, but we were a top 25 football team. And then, um, had a cup of coffee with the Buffalo Bills as a long snapper Oh, everyone like, just fell out of their chair because we have so many Bills fans that listen to oh, us. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I got, yeah, I, I have some, I have a couple of awesome Bill stories, like good experiences. Oh, you'll have to share some <laughs> later on. I'll put that in my notes. All right. All right. Yeah. I have a good one. At the end, because this way people stick around. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll save them then. I won't, I won't, I have two good ones then. How awesome. About that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you'll have to remind me. I will. Um, but yeah, I did that. Uh, I didn't stick with an NFL team. Like I went to the NFL combine. I did all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Didn't stick with a team. Uh, and you know, I grew up football is it. I grew up in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So there's not like, it's not the most creative city. It's real estate, 
money, construction, like just materialism, sports. That's about it. So I grew up that way and um, loved it, was obsessed. All I could ever see was a sports career. And then uh, after I didn't stick with an NFL team, I was very lost. Um, mm. And I was watching the um, the Olympics and watching Michael Phelps uh, just win all the gold medals. And I got really inspired and felt really, I don't know, I was just selling gym memberships at Gold's Gym. And I was like, this isn't it, man. Like, this right. is not where I was supposed to be. And um, and I was like, you know what? All those gold medal athletes were like, you should try bobsled one day. And I was like, all right. And I, this is like a theme of my life is I always look for the white space. Like, what's the soft spot where I can excel? So mm. be a big fish in a small pond type of thing. And it's like, mm. man, the Olympics is pretty elite. Like, it's very niche. Like, you're going to these special events and people just focus on these little things. But bobsled was kind of that loophole for me, that soft spot. So I was like, okay, well, I've been training for speed and power my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I've already got an in with like the understanding of how the system works. So I ended up going out, trying out, and then uh, was, you know, invited to be a resident athlete in Lake Placid, New York. So upstate New York there. Mm-hmm. And uh, did bobsled for like two years. And, um, you know, it was the Olympic year. So I was kind of in rotation on the back end. I was a rookie. By no means was I like close to the Olympics. Like I was technically a long list alternate, but I wasn't like close like that, you know? Gotcha. Um, I was probably top 15, you know, in like the push championships and stuff like that. So like not terrible. It's still pretty good. Um, and then at that time, there was a league called the UFL that popped up and, uh, it's kind of like the USFL we have now or XFL, kind of that level. Maybe a little different because they were trying to take advantage of the NFL lockout. And so they had much bigger celebrity power, like names that were playing. And so I got ended up trying out, getting signed by the Sacramento Mountain Lions, where I played under head coach Dennis Green, if you remember him from the Vikings. And then mm-hmm. like Dante Culpepper was our quarterback. And Jeff Garcia Damn. played in that league. And Chris cool. Claret, Amon Green. I mean, a lot of like, studs you know nfl guys um so i played in that for two years and then um i had a series of bad concussions that knocked me Mm. out uh like blurred my vision type of thing and that this will actually lead into maybe a later story in the blood pressure stuff but i had blurred vision and i just had to retire because i did i did post concussion syndrome for a year after the first Mm. one like in between seasons and I wouldn't wish that on anyone. I mean, that yeah. was the worst experience in my life. And I've had some rough years. Yeah. That was probably the worst overall experience. As There's far so as many other side effects beyond headaches too, right? You do not. You just can't yeah. comprehend yeah. what that. Like it's, yeah. Your mind's playing tricks on you. You don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. And like you hear things like the air conditioning would be on or I would hear a, a, a bird chirping outside and it would be mm-hmm. like just excruciating pain, like the migraine <sighs> intensity. Right. And I did that for a year. Um, and so when I got my next concussion, I was like, I'm not doing that again. And I took my pads off. I just remember the game, taking them off slowly. Cause I was like, well, this is the last time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I finished my career. I, I was even getting calls after that. Like the Cleveland Browns called my agent and I was like, dude, I can't even work out right now. So it was like that close, you know, but mm-hmm. um are you After doing darkroom stuff at that point and avoiding screens and all that protocol? I mean, it's they've changed know, I, that. Apparently, yeah, I mean, that's not what I, you're supposed to do anymore. Really, I, I don't know, know like, what it is, but 
because I'm, I'm Canadian, right? So I grew up where hockey is life. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. And tons, tons of concussions. And maybe not to the same degree as football where there's so much head on head contact, but you know, heads going to boards, things mm-hmm. like that. And I've just grown up with people who have had similar stories in terms of concussions to yours. And it's so different for every person. You know, one person can get hit in the head three times in their two week recovery and they're fine. And then other people, yeah. it's one bad time and there's, you're just never the same. Yeah, as a, as a callback, we had uh, Adam Greenberg on, who's a pro uh, baseball player. He saw one pitch in the major leagues to the back of the head. Um, yeah, first at bat ever. First wow. at bat ever. Um, I'll, I'll send you that uh, podcast or that episode. It's an interesting one. But his reco- road to recovery and the vertigo and anytime he mm-hmm. looked down, the world would like flip upside down. It was It was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah, lots of depression time. too, right? When mm-hmm. sports is your world for 25, 20 years and then it's gone. Yeah. 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 I went into the creative field. We started a uh, like a sporting goods startup. We had an mm-hmm. idea. We were doing this curriculum stuff. While I was doing the Olympic thing, I was also running creative direction for this startup with my dad and some other guys. On, it was just athletic curriculums for school districts and equipment. Mm-hmm. So we just mm-hmm. install a program and cheaper equipment that could serve more kids instead of like them spending 10 grand on a couple of stairmasters for 40 kids let's yeah. get a bunch of bands medicine balls and actually get a workout in mm. um that was essentially what we did so when i came out of that we took that to uh to another level but you know i'm i am not i'm a i've got some graphic design skills i've developed up to this point but that was about it in the creative world i was learning mm-hmm. what seo even meant at that mm-hmm. time, like I wasn't right. tech technical on the internet. And, um, my vision, uh, at that time I got essentially they call it uh, diplopia. I think it's like double vision in my left eye. And, uh, mm-hmm. for the first year, I didn't know that. I just thought it was kind of like that hazy feeling when you wake up, like you got sleep in your eyes. Mm-hmm. And so I spent the first year essentially like covering, I would wear a hat, put paper over my eye and I would learn how to use like uh, Final Cut Pro or After Effects and all these different softwares with one eye and I would just get migraines a couple times a day and have to take a 45 minute stop. So for a year I just like slogged through this phase. Um, Where's your headspace at you know at, at that point? Are you feeling sorry for yourself? Are you feeling motivated? You know where's your sort of head at? I know it's confusing when you're concussed like that you don't really know what correct thoughts are what are fake thoughts and oh, yeah. you know where's your head at though to the best of your understanding during that phase you've you're done football and you're, you're having to make a transition seeking for answers for sure um even like why do i feel like this uh, mm-hmm. if someone could help me with the cognitive side i would have understood why certain thoughts would go through my head where what were like, some hey, of those thoughts man i mean uh there's a lot of dark ones I mean, I you know, when when you have those bad my like my air condition just kicked on and I'm thinking like mm. I would lay there and if the air condition would kick on, I would just like hold my hands over my ears with pillows and I was just like I will give anything to relieve just this pressure, this pain. And it was just like you right. want to put a bullet through your head. Yeah. Cuz yes. like you just want release, relief mm-hmm. from it. And um you know, there's just, uh, 
impulsive things you want to do, um, just right. life choices. And it's usually because your brain's having to rewire itself. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have access to all the same things. It's, it's injured, it's damaged. And so, you know, cognitively, you're kind of limping through the day. Right. So it was, uh, and, it was pretty rough. And your, your brain is the, is the injury. It's not like a torn hamstring where your brain's looking at the hamstring in a sense and being like, all right, I know what I need to do. I know I need to rest. I know I can't get up and sprint. But if the injury is the thinking mechanism, like that's, that's got to be impossible, near impossible to kind of sort through and be rational while things are quote unquote uh, rewiring, broken. Mm-hmm in a sense. Yeah. You know, this time is when I'm learning how to edit videos because we were filming instructional videos on how to use equipment. And in order to edit instructional stuff, you have to understand what you're trying to teach. So like an editor really had no idea what footage to grab for a drill. Mm -hmm. And I know it. So I had to teach myself final cut pro and how to edit video. And when you have that type of head injury and you're trying to do cognitive intensive things like edit videos, write things and just be in front of a computer. It's like having a, it's like being in the garage, you know, like imagine if your eyes haven't adjusted to light yet and you're in this dark garage, mm-hmm. you know, like that it starts cracking open on a bright summer day and that light just starts seeping in. Mm-hmm. There would be days where that there would be that opening and I would just see this light and this creativity and I might not sleep for two days because I have access to my brain and I would just work. And then that door would close. Right. You're almost yeah. relishing in it while you have it. Yep. It was yeah. a floodgate. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a, yeah. So that was, a, that was probably one of the more difficult things because you're just worthless on some days and right. you don't want to be. Right. What position were you playing? Long snapper. So punts, field goals, but yeah. Describe I, I that to somebody who has no idea. Yeah, so when you're kicking the the ball like a punt, like you're mm-hmm. punting it or you're kicking a field goal, I'm the center that in, in, snaps it or hikes the ball. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. I snap it like seven yards or eight yards for a field goal, 15 yards for a punt. Um, but I was yeah. like a cover guy, so I would run down there and make tackles, and that's why I got hit. Well, and that's why you also you win the award for most creative Instagram handle of the day, Deep Snap. Yeah, it works. Snapping photos and deep snaps on the field. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one worked out. I bought deepsnap.com back in like 1998 when I was in eighth wow. grade. Because I was like... Have you had offers I'm, on it? Not yet. Uh, it's pretty niche. You know? It so, is, I guess. Still. But I, yeah, I just was like this kid obsessed with football. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro long snapper. I'm, or at the time, we called it deep snap, you know, deep mm-hmm. snapper. And uh, and then I started, yeah, snapping photos. And for a while, it was like kinger snaps was my, my handle. Yeah, I just can't believe you got deep snap on Insta. Yeah, yeah, That's got great. that and kept it and it's worked out. It's a good little right. business if you want to be, if you want to do that, like just think, of, sit there at night and think of great handles, see if they're they're uh, <laughs> registered or not and just scoop them up and sell sure them later. I'm doing that right now. Oh, yeah. for sure. Chat GP I, or I whatever. I up uh, Yosemite cabins and if you do that, it's like Yosemite cabin one, Yosemite cabin two, like they, they've taken every... <laughs> single possible one uh, in that sort of genre. Uh, In terms of your position, so I I just want to understand this. You're in the center, you're, you're snapping back. Is there like that immediate hit of the, of the center on the other side that's giving you, or you're busting past and then trying to tackle the the punt return? Both. They, they can't line up directly over you and they're, they're not allowed to hit you when your head's down, but they do. 
Mm-hmm. And when these guys are 350 pounds on right. Fogo's, actually <clears throat> 350 pounds, yeah, and they can move like freaking like bears, yeah, like the force behind that hit is kind of hard to explain without feeling yeah. it. Yeah, I can't imagine. All right, so sound, yeah, for yeah. real. So it sounds like uh, your first few steps into the creative world were because you needed to fill a gap for yep. you know the business you were a part of. Um, where does where what are the next steps in terms of becoming a more creative, not necessarily creative person, but becoming gaining more creative tools in your arsenal? Like Seth, what's next, Seth? One second, can you remember that question? Because there's something in between that I want to ask. Oh, if for you don't sure. mind. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of a deep question, but uh, like I'm sensing this, like there, you're injured. the The passion of football and sports has kind of been taken away from you, and you're, you're you might be realizing that, and you're having dark thoughts, you're having hard moments. Do Do you credit this creative sort of outlet and this learning, something that gave you, even though it's difficult, and the head was not quite behind you, or like the legs weren't under you in that sense but it gave you some sort of purpose and maybe like a, whoa, like he, I'm pivoting, but this is something that I'm, I'm getting obsessed with not to be dramatic, but maybe saved your life in a sense. Yeah. It's, um, it's something I've said to friends before, like one of those going around the tables on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I remember saying it, someone got to me and I was like, what are you thankful for? And this was probably 2013. So like a year or two after, you know, I finished playing. And I said that exact thing. I said, I'm grateful that I have a new passion that I'm obsessed with. Mm -hmm. Like just the creativity. Like I didn't know what I was doing yet. I just was obsessed with this creative field. And so many guys don't have that. They go into coaching and Mm -hmm. that's it. They just relive their glory days, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot of like transitional depression and you know i worked with the nfl retired players they were one of my clients um, a couple years pre-covid and that's just one of the big things it's it's guys just after the game it's like military guys coming back from service like you just like what now i I don't have the structure i don't have the camaraderie i don't have the uh like the the action like you just don't have the stuff anymore and now you got to do some mundane thing and um the uh the line that I've been kind of like saying this is this is who who I feel like my I guess you could say my audience is and I've particularly through some of the videos is it's people whose identity is on the line and Mm -hmm. that's something I have felt many times in my life because football wasn't the only transition COVID was a whole nother thing I lost a multi-million dollar business because of COVID lost a part like I lost a whole life Mm-hmm. Um, we can get into that here in a little bit. Cause that story is like how I got into the wildlife and the nature, like the freedom to create and express. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it's, it, it was definitely cre- the creative field. I didn't know. I knew I was creative. Like I, you know, play with the guitar, mm-hmm. uh, I, teachers in art class that said, Hey, you should do more of this. But I grew up in Dallas, you know, it's football, Dallas Cowboys, you know, whatever else. Like I just was not pushed towards creativity. I didn't have the mentors and the, the, the people to look up to really. I didn't understand mm-hmm. it. It was like, I don't want to be a, an art teacher when I grow up. Cause I didn't know, you know, I didn't know what the creative field really entailed until, right. you know, later. Yeah. I can totally, I can relate with you to a degree. So I played, um, you know, the highest level of hockey from the time I could walk till college. 
and um, injuries and, and other things just made it not viable or fun anymore. And I know exactly what you're saying and our stories are sort of similar. I mean, I wasn't professional to, or as close to being like, you know, professional as you were, but when I stopped playing, you have this fuck moment where you're like, I don't know what my life is. Mm-hmm. You know, what, <laughs> what do I do with myself? Um, and there's a lot of scary nights in that place because your whole identity is around a sport or a thing. And then when it's gone, you have to reinvent yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, your story kind of resonates with me because that's when I found a camera. That's when I got my first camera. That's when I started going outside and exploring creativity. So I wanted to share that. And it's just kind of, it's it's a different story, but it, it sort of mirrors something that happened to me as well. Yeah, yeah sure. And and if I can jump in too, and it's, it's not sports, but again, it's the same metaphor is I, I had the cookie cutter job in Connecticut married, have a kid and, uh, went through a divorce and that whole identity and new sort of frame is where I picked up a camera and mm. dove into that and being out in nature and, um, you know, all that stuff, all the same stuff. So Aaron, to your point, the, the people that are shifting in identity, that can be really, I mean, our, our narratives and our, our ego in a sense are really connected to who we think we are and it, the rug can be pulled out at any time. Mm-hmm. And, and then you're left with like, what else do I have? And to be able to jump onto a different boat, a lifeboat, if you will, and, and find something that's like, Whoa, this might be my, my story. This might be my, my reason, my why is pretty, uh, pretty special. Yeah. And realizing there's more to the story. Like maybe sports or it's just the chapter, you know, mm-hmm. but it's so mm-hmm. hard for people to see the the coming pages, you know, <laughs> when you're, when it doesn't look like there's anything else. Cause that's all you've known. I mean, you can't blame people like that, right? It, it takes a lot of soul searching and stuff. Um, sure. So I'm going to get back to my question, Aaron, mm-hmm. which was, yeah. it seemed like um, you learned, you were forced to sort of learn creative skills because you were filling a gap with the business you were helping, what were sort of the next steps in that creative process and, and adding more creative tools and software and arsenals to your, to your repertoire? Yeah, it started with um, Final Cut Pro and just cutting up some drill videos for King Sports was the name of our product. And we have a YouTube channel. King Sports Training is the YouTube channel for that, which we're trying to, I'm trying to get back into um, with uh, my brother. And the um the next thing was i did i got a camera did some product shots for our gear for the website and then now i have this camera and so i'm obsessed with music you know like any of us huge music fan like music drives my creativity i start with music i'll hear a song and i'll screenshot it and be like okay that right there was a scene by this lake or this cliff you know and i'll like bookmark it when i hear it because i'll forget it if i don't um but it starts Mm -hmm. with music for me and I would use photography in the early days when I was trying to figure out what I was doing um, to get into concerts. I would just say, hey, I'll, I'll take free photos for y'all. And they're like, come on. And so I ended up on stage with some pretty cool artists like in the Dallas area at a couple of venues, a couple country artists. Oh, yeah. People that I can't even remember the name. Uh, Kevin Fowler and like uh, mm-hmm. there's a white rapper. I forget his name because he's like he, 
I forget his name, but he was decently sized. Guys like middle of the uh, kind of the cult following that had a huge right, crowd, right? So, right. Mm-hmm. And so it was a way for me to trade, you know. Um, yeah. So I liked that low light photography at the time, concert photography. Never did it like I did some shoots for websites. It it, it morphed into more of a digital agency, and I just kind of used photography as a throw in to like help sweeten the deal, you know. Mm-hmm. But I created an agency from that startup because the startup eventually just kind of ran out of money. And then I, my pivot was just like, well, I guess now I'm an agency. I know I've learned all these skills and even though I'm not great, you know, I can do it here in Dallas because like there's a lot of small businesses. And so worked my way up, uh, ended up getting some cooler clients. I was officing at a co-working space right next to Uber when they first started in the Dallas office. And so did a lot of stuff for Uber in the early days and started working with them in San Francisco on some more corporate stuff, Uber Eats and all that. And mm-hmm. um, just kind of kept growing my portfolio. Not like I, I'm, you know, I've never been like a polished, I, I, like we put out professional work, but it's, it's more like a, I'm more of a storyteller. You know, like I look at some mm-hmm. of my photos and like, I don't shoot a lot. Like when I go out there, I take a couple shots. I don't like fill up my my card. I don't download a ton of images because uh, I don't like the. Po- I like to limit post production. So on the front end, I try right. to get the shot. And um, sometimes it's like, oof, that wasn't very sharp. <laughs> but I love the <laughs> image anyway. So let's just like, <laughs> yeah, play with it, you know. Yeah. Um, and so I'm not like, I'm not like a professional in the sense of like I'm going to go t- be the photographer on set. Um, like the services we provide is more like video and branding and like kind of strategy and a whole thing, um, nowadays. Um, and even when I do shoot now, like we have a, a, if we have a video shoot, I bring a DP and I'll bring a photographer and then I'll be kind of second camera or like third camera, like just another guy and kind of direct. And I try to, yeah, more art direction. Yeah. So I'm more of an art director professionally, brand strategist professionally, and then I wanted to save something because so many times I think we've all run into this. It's like you go create something great that you love, that you're mm-hmm. passionate about. And someone's like, I love your work. Come build my finance website or take my finance shots. And you're like, awesome. I got a job, but this yeah. isn't going in my portfolio. You know, like, yeah. this is not, I'm, it's a, it's a job, but I'm not, it's not like my creative itch. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's boring. Not, now it's just a job. Yeah. It yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, how do you approach, got, how do you approach, uh, you know, less exciting gigs? I mean, just as a professional, we've been working as uh, really focused on operations. I've been doing it a while now. And so I've been able to build a team around me on like the services side. You know, I got photographers that are better than me. I got videographers that are better than me. I got editors, you know, collectively, each one is better at that skill set. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and then I have, I put together like, you know, process and assistance yeah. and deliverables. And so it's just being professional. That's great uh, leadership too. Like I think great leadership knows how to build a team and fill each of those holes with skill sets. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that's what great managing is. Yeah. It just comes with the territory, you know, just right. it's you're professional. So just kind of what you, you got to show up to work type of thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Right. And I like those, the gigs that we're saying are kind of like, Oh, it's a job, but it's, it's not stuff I'm going to post or be proud of for my own personal love affair with like creating. Right. But 
there is this little challenge of like, how do I bring in my wildlife photography mm-hmm. into this cabin shoot or like this concert or like something that's like off of what I normally do? Like, how can I take my skill that I have that's going to be different and unique mm-hmm. from everyone else that's doing this and make a little bit of fun out of it? You know, yeah. um, like I, I, I really like cabin shooting now, but when I first started it, I just took it as like, this is like real estate photo- photography and it's really kind of, I'm not getting it. It's like really boring. Like I don't get it until you start like, like, let's make this interesting. Like let's try to spice it up a bit. And now it's kind of fun. Like the challenge of bringing a, a cabin alive in terms of images versus just like, here's the bedroom, here's the kitchen. Yeah. You know? So I think there is that sort of fun challenge, even though you might not slap it all over your own personal portfolio. It's just kind of a, a different angle. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great point. I mean, we definitely try to do a lot of that. Um, and you know, it comes down to the people too. Like if you mm-hmm. like working with the people, then it, it doesn't really matter what you're working on. You know, it can be fun. And like, I, I always try to say like, man, I got good problems or like, I'm so glad I have something to complain about, yeah. you know? Uh, so like, yeah. I'm never going to complain that someone's trying to hire me. We call them yeah. high quality problems. Yeah. yeah. Do you like scenario one or two better where uh, the finance guy goes, I-, I want you to take my photos. And he's like, but I-, I want them this way. Like, this is what I want. So he's giving you full direction or he goes like, hey, I know you've never done it, but I trust you. Like, what do you want to do? Like, which which one's more comfortable? Definitely just let me do my thing. Yeah. I don't, I'm not very good <laughs> with, like, I'm good with parameters. Mm-hmm. If, now, if you tell me what you want, yeah, we're going to try to get it. Um, I don't know. Actually, that's a tough one. I mean, I, I am just now I'm like kind of arguing with myself. Depends what it is, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's like I don't know. What do you want? Yeah. So maybe no. I think it's always best when there's a general, general theme or a rough outline, and then you take that and run with it. Yeah, I think creativity. I was talking me and my one of my friends in the creator economy here in Austin. He's a big TikToker. We always talk about this creative process and restricting yourself is a great way to flex the creative muscles because if you just if i just give you a camera and i say go shoot something i mean just now i gotta go i'm instead of thinking about the shot i'm thinking about what am i going to shoot but if i say hey go take a picture of street signs okay like now i'm just dialed in and so you can get a better result with with parameters and restriction Mm -hmm. and uh, even like if i say hey all you get today is a 50 millimeter Versus yeah. what mm-hmm. lens do I want to use on this shot? Hey, let's switch it out. And like, oh, I should have done, you know, just, hey, all you get is a 50 today. Mm-hmm. Make it look awesome. And I think that's a great way to learn, you know, as well. But parameters is definitely a good thing in the creative world. Yeah, it's an interesting thought. Um, maybe a good tool to to spark creativity within yourself is just deprive yourself of an asset, whether it's a lens or a certain slider in, in Lightroom, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Seth, you talk about that a lot. And I even see it, we see it in rock climbing where they X out one of the holds, right? Mm-hmm. Now do yeah. this climb, but you can't use that amazing foothold that was Or you got to skip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to skip. So it, it's just a, a way to exercise that, uh, that muscle, that brain. Yeah, it's really cool. How'd you get into wildlife? Tell us that journey. Yeah, it... So one of my friends here in Austin or outside of Austin has a ranch and I started shooting whitetail deer for him. He raises them. And uh, every year I would go make a little whitetail video and 
it wasn't like going out in the middle of the woods. It was like they're in a pen, but they don't sit still. They don't like you there. Like it's really hard to get a good shot. They don't cooperate. They bunch up. So get in one isolated. So I, I learned just animals, like how they mm-hmm. operate. Like, hey, don't move. He's about to take off. And then sure, you know, like you just kind of learn hooved animals specifically. Um, and uh, so I always just enjoyed that process. And um, when when COVID happened, it was a weird time for me because I'm like going this, all right, I'm an agency guy. That's what I am. We're building this thing. So my brand strategy thing, that's who I have to be online. I got a, I got clients following me on Instagram. So I have to put out certain types of content to meet their expectations, yada, yada, yada. And um, COVID took away about 75% of our business in the first three weeks, which was like, we had a multi-million, we were on like a two and a half million dollar run rate at that time. So that was a lot. Yeah. You know, we lost a lot and people were not paying their invoices. Uh, our office was getting broken into all my tools and gear was getting stolen and we were running out of money quick. Cause when you're making money, you're spending money you're growing, but you haven't been operating long enough to like store up reserves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you so, don't have a big cash pile. Yeah. So we always try to like, I was always conservative. My partner was more of a spender and I was like, well, I want to get to the point where we have like at least six months of reserves. If like no one yeah, paid right, us, we can right. figure it out in six months, get to a year later. Like that personal nest egg too, right? Mm-hmm. Similar to that style. Yeah. And I didn't right. have anything personal yet. Right. <laughs> I put everything in my right. life to build this to where it was. Right. And cause we only been doing it like 18, no, maybe two years at this point, 18 months, two years. So we grew fast. Yeah. Um, so I sold, everything um and my car my couch got rid of my apartment and i was like i see the writing on the wall i'm i'm going on an adventure and uh i got bought this toyota sequoia stripped it out put a bed in there some storage a fridge and i just started driving north and with nowhere in mind Hmm? with nowhere in mind Nowhere particular, just, I was going to check out Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I think that was probably at the time where I was like, I want to see what that area looks like. And, uh, I remember like I, I beelined it to like Southern Utah, you know? And I was like my first, like, oh my gosh, look at Horseshoe Bend. This is amazing. Like, I'm, you know, at that point I hadn't seen anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I made up my way up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I got in middle of the night pulled into the this canyon and this forest and I have no idea where I'm at. Never been there. I just park, sleep there for the night. The next day I had one meeting on my calendar and it was to lay off our final employee because like we had run out of that money. We're starting, I'm starting to take on water. Like I'm drowning in debt now because you know, you go from making money right. to that overhead still there. Well, the, you know, it's, it, it's not, it doesn't take long to accumulate some, some business debt. Right. And so I wake up in the middle of nowhere and get on the call. We tell her, Hey, this is it. we got to let you go. And then hang up. And it was like, it wasn't, uh, the silence was not, it was like so deafening. Cause like I'm in the, literally in the middle of the wilderness. I've never 
not had Slack or Google Calendar run my entire day. I had nothing on the calendar moving forward. Not like just today, but like period. Whereas before I'd get that update. Here's your 10 meetings that are going to ruin your day. You know, like just yeah. <laughs> running my life, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it wasn't like fear. It wasn't, uh, it was just like this empty thing where I was just like, where am I? Like, where am I in life? Where am I with my company, my business partner? My, I just broke up my girlfriend. <laughs> it was like a whole lot going on. All at once, eh? Yeah. Not yeah. only that, but like, actually, where am I? I'm in the, I just woke <laughs> up in this forest. It's like, where am I? Like, Literally, <laughs> where am I? Where am I? I don't care right. about any of that stuff. Where the hell am I? <laughs> and I, I just, I just started taking pictures and I was like, not, I didn't have the mindset of like, oh, I'm going to film all this and start making videos. I filmed some stuff. Looking back, I had no idea I recorded anything mm-hmm. um, occasionally, but I, I, I didn't want to touch the camera for film, which was like normally what I would do. But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take pictures. I'm going to like really try to learn photography. I've done it. But I felt like I usually just got lucky. You know, I didn't actually know what I was doing. I know technically what I'm doing in video. But Mm -hmm. when you start adding 600 millimeters, three, and then I had no idea, like doubling your shutter speed is why, you know, Mm -hmm. like the sharpness. I I didn't understand any of that stuff. And why does my car look so weird? Oh, you're using a 16 millimeter lens. It looks stupid. You know, like, I just like, I love looks like an airplane. Yeah, it looks silly. And I posted <laughs> my first one with the 16 millimeter in Sedona and I left it there so I could like have that as like a lesson, mm-hmm. you know? Is it still and, on your page? Uh, yeah, it's still on there. You'll oh. see that goes from like sports sc- and like whatever to like I'm this. scroll deep while you continue. Yeah, it's uh, this just awkward photo in the desert. And uh, <laughs> so I just started taking pictures, started learning Lightroom because I never wanted to, to post photos because I didn't know what look I want. I was like, do I want black and white? Do I want... Like I see all these photographers with these awesome styles. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. No, that's awesome. I didn't know who I was in photography. And so I just started um, create, like editing, uh, looking at other people's stuff and being like, why do I like that? Oh, it's the blues or it's the, it's the way they do the shot. And like understanding mm-hmm. what to even look for because I didn't get it. I, didn't, I had no clue how to edit a photo um, in Lightroom specifically. I never used Lightroom. And so... It was um, a lot of harsh edits in the early stages, you know, not understanding even what masking could do, not mm-hmm. understanding. I didn't know what a tone curve was until probably six months ago, to be honest. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like all these things, like I've, I had no clue. And so it was a lot of just uh, being obsessed with the next thing. It was another mm-hmm. transition, a new obsession. And I also had this freedom of like, you know what, who cares? Like, I'm going to start posting these. I don't care if clients see it or, you know, that most of them have already fired us. So I'm just going to be me. And mm-hmm. I've always wanted to travel more. I've always been in kind of half nomadic. I've always been in the wilderness with the other stuff, but I never let it just fly. And so that was kind of like what set me free on this journey. And um, it, you know, just, it got deeper and deeper as the years went on. I've been doing it for like three years now. Um, where the traveling got more serious, became a more permanent part of my lifestyle instead of just a trip. It was like, no, this is my new lifestyle where I do this part-time. Like literally half the time I'm on the road camping and just sleeping in my car and um, mm. just trying to capture some some moods, you know? So mm-hmm. that's kind of where it, 
where I ended up today, you know. I found the post. Yeah. Looks like a big tugboat. It's awful. <laughs> <laughs> Your so caption's bad. awesome, though. Oh, God. I don't know what it is. Can I read it and embarrass you? No, it's oh, great. Geez. Oh, geez. I sold all my furniture, traded my fancy car for an 08 Sequoia, subleased my place in Austin to go explore. My plan is to get north and catch the seasons changing. I'm passing through Arizona and Utah, which are hard not to stay in, but I'll be back. It's ironic. This is the part I wanted to read. It's ironic that I create for so many brands yet haven't taken the time to do anything for myself. Part of it is overthinking as a creator. I'm also out of practice since I let the people around me make it look so much better than I could. And then it goes on. But I just love that middle passage. Wow. Yeah, it's consistent, I guess. I didn't even realize I wrote that. What's the date on that? September 10th, 2020. So right in the thick of COVID, right? Yeah. 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 So I guess two and a half years. I guess it's three seasons, three falls. So let me That's ask crazy. you this, like if you continue from there all the way up to, you know, what you're posting now, your Sequoia makes a regular appearance mm-hmm. in a weird way. Is there like a, is there like a huge sentimental value to this vehicle? Just cause it kind of, it, 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 <laughs> it's sort of been with you since that change of journey in the journey. Does that question yeah, make sense? Like, is there a reason the you photograph it so much? Is that why? Partly? It's part it's just part of the story for me. Right. Like it's like I said, like I feel like I'm more of a storyteller than like anything right. else. Like whether I'm making a u- user experience or a video or a photo, I'm trying to tell a story. And I always thought that the Sequoia, this car is part of it. Cause it's like, I'm not like, I'm not out here shooting for a brand. I'm a dude sleeping and cooking out of his car. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, I'm trying to catch sunsets. I'm trying to drink coffee outside. Like that's kind of the story. And so I just felt like I always think like, what's the subject matter? And even with my video content, I was like, I don't know what to make videos about. Like, I don't, I want to make more films. That's like, I want to get back to making videos again. And I had no idea what to create. And then of course I go to like vid summit, which is the big YouTuber deal conference. And I went for like my other stuff. Mm -hmm. And then people would look at my, my, I have friends that they look at my Instagram like, why are you not making just videos about this? Just make outdoor content. And I was like, well, I was just overthinking it. Just constantly overthinking everything. And uh, it was just like, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to do what I did before and just say F it. Like, yeah, just create something that you feel like is kind of burning. Um, but the Sequoia is definitely part of the story. Yeah, no um, kidding. Very yeah. cool. I'm not obsessed with cars. I don't like love doing like car photography or even sports photography, even though all that stuff's a part of my life. Right. I just feel like it's, it's subject matter. And in my videos, photography is more of the subject matter in the video Mm -hmm. rather than me being a photographer. It's like, Hey, I'm going to shoot some photos today. Mm -hmm. You know, I I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just like, um, it's a vehicle for no pun intended, uh, for me to like have something to, uh, to talk about. Right. How have you, Sorry, go ahead, Aaron. You have something to say? Well, yeah, I, and I do. I do like your your sort of humble attitude about it, and even like a latest reel. I think it was latest, or maybe it just popped up. But uh, you answered someone's comment, and you're like, uh, "The reason this photo looks this way is because I'm an idiot, and I left <laughs> my ND filter on, and then I had to adjust everything to like make that work, and just kind of went with it." Um, yeah. And it's a, it's just a real like a real vibe uh, to it, which uh, again we've always said too that people relate to 
just the truth, you know, and you, you own, you own that. So I can't help to think and, and not to be like woo woo as, as the kids say, but like, it seems like the universe was just kicking your ass to get on the right path. Right. Like, like fuck sports, dude, you idiot. Like, what do we have to do to get you out of sports? (laughs) We have to break your face. All right, done, done. If that's what it takes. And then, then you're learning like out of desperation, video content. And then uh, if you, you get into your business and the universe again was like, no man, like not to make light of it, but like, here's COVID. Like you, this is not for you. You, you get out of that and now you're finding where you are. Then Instagram's like, no, F photos. Let's go back to his roots and make videos more important. And now you've like circled into your, I feel like your theme and your niche and your narrative of like, this is like your, your sweet spot right now. And then you've seen the growth and the, everything's kind of coming together. Is this just me, Seth? Or are you, are you feeling this? No, it's chapters of life, man. <laughs> yeah. It's chapters yeah. of life and sometimes those are forced. Those aren't always voluntary. Sometimes chapters of life are chapters of life are involuntary and out of your control. And it's it's up to you whether you're gonna wallow or figure it out. Yeah, and that's that's another theme. And I mean, we talk about this a lot too. Like you, you got your ass kicked a few times. Pretty bad. That yeah, might have that might have sent anyone packing. And you it, uh, you definitely nailed it on the head because I have some other stuff like some software we're building where mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm super passionate about it. Mm-hmm. However, at times, it's what you just said. The universe might be like, hey, man, all that time and money you're putting into this, if you uh-huh. would just blow up your YouTube channel, like that's where my gut's now starting to say, make this happen fast because it's taking away from something. Um, yeah. And I think that... Um. I think I was, I don't know how to, how to put it, but I feel now I'm in a place where I'm a little bit more seasoned and a little bit more like leathered or whatever, weathered or however you want to phrase it, where I'm, I've, I've had some suffering, like definitely. And I've been through some shit and I'm dealing with like an injury that's really screwing up my world right now. Um, like not a fun process. And I think that, now I like embrace it because in my twenties, I was not ready. I was mentally like very weak. You know, I would get overwhelmed and I would, I didn't have any faith in anything. You know, I was just like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I'm not, my life's not perfect. I'm not going to do all the things I want to do. And now when I see the comments and I got like a heavy comment last night, a DM of someone just spilling their guts out on like their personal story. And you start feeling like a sense of like, okay, I feel like this is more important than anything. Like if my, like what I put into my videos comes from like, I think of even when I was playing football, like, okay, I'm a D one athlete. I'm starting. I'm all this like stuff that a lot of kids dream of, but I'm actually really depressed because I'm alone. You know, I got taken away from my girlfriend or whatever from high school and I'm far from home and I'm actually just depressed and I'm sitting here listening to my soundtrack and my headphones, like that kind of emo, like, right. you know, you're looking out, out was the window. Me. Yeah, woe is me. And like, so I was mentally weak and dealt with the, the post cut, dealt with all the things. And now I feel like, okay, I've made it through the stuff. But all that to say is like, okay, now I would rather do what I can. Like, 
if it's a video that just gives people a quick 30 second vacation or like nudges them to change, take a step in their life, if their identity's on the line, if like I can make a better life more accessible, like I feel like that right now is what's driving me more than anything because all I'm doing, man, is I got my car and slept in it. Like I'm not doing anything out of reach. I mean, for some people, yeah, getting away on the weekends out of reach, but like maybe next month it's not, maybe next year it's not. I ate shit for a long time before I was able to like really kind of live a life that I want to live. Like I'm my late thirties, you know, this is not like, I'm just like golden spoon handed to me right here. Um, I mean, I've right. been very blessed, but I want people to know like, Hey, you might not get it today and you might have a shitty year, but like just, you're, you'll get through it and just kind of hang that hang that north star and work towards it i had to work through concussions and i had to work through losing all my money and racking like i dude just last year like or two years ago year and a half ago when i got back from my trip and all our money was spent there was some bad stuff that went on in the back end too that put me in a tough spot dude i, I went to the grocery store credit cards are maxed out i don't have an i'm scratching up cash so I can buy some eggs and maybe some coffee to get through the day. And then I just started like trying to like hustle and get some clients. And I'm, this is after I had a multi-million, multi like yeah. million dollar company. And I go from like driving this Lexus to I'm sleeping in a guy's garage in Austin here, like right. he, a little tiny home. And like I had to make enough money so I could go on the next road trip. I couldn't afford gas, you know, like I, I, I yeah. remember driving to my grandma's one time and in, in North Texas and she had to fill up my gas tank so I could get back to Austin. Like it got that tight. And as a grown ass man, that's used, I used to pay other people's salaries. It's a, it's a pretty humbling uh, beyond humbling. It's, it's a, I don't know. It's, it's a, a punch in the mouth. It's a freaking punch. And so yeah. it's it, a punch it, in the mouth. Dude, it could happen again. It could happen tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. And so I'm and I, ready for it. Yeah, I think that I think that's the key point. I think 20s are hard for a lot of people because it's easy to get that vision of, you know, I'm, I'm sure you had it multiple times, uh, you know, on the football team or getting calls or coffee with the Bills. It's like, what's what could my life be? You know, maybe I'm I'm right there. Like I'm knocking on the on the doorstep oh. of being a pro athlete and having it made for however many, 10 years, I'll retire at 32. Like life's going to be great. Uh, and then boom, that's gone. All right. Now I'll, I'll get into business. I'll, Oh wow. I'm successful. You know, as all hell, uh, millions of dollars. We're talking about millions and then a random act of God, if you will, uh, you know, COVID happens and that's gone. And now like, all right, now I'm going to go sleep in my car and, peanut butter sandwiches and and try to make it do and then that's the part of life that's like the most rewarding too and i think i think that's a, just a huge lesson in terms of like the i thinks and this is gonna happen this way and this should happen this way there's there's none of that really you can plan the best that you can but you have to be able to stay poised and pivot and and stay within yourself and keep going. Like you, how many times could have you played the victim and just still been in that garage taking handouts? I mean, yeah. you, you have plenty right. of plenty blaming of reasons other, to do so. Blaming other people. If that guy didn't hit me. That was a cheap shot. It ruined my career. 
you know, in high school, I could throw this ball over the mountains, like just <laughs> living in the past. Right. Like, but you just, you pivoted and, and kept going and like make it happen. I think that's like really, I, I did not know we were going to get this deep on this episode. I thought we were going to talk sports and photography. But like these, these are like the most important life lessons that we could possibly talk about. Well, it's yeah. funny. You guys said like the, the deep snap worked out for me. Like it wasn't just the snapping photos. It literally, it actually is the deep. Like that's just kind of like my, like mm-hmm. I love getting deep, man. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm not jokingly saying that. I really do like yeah. live that way. Awesome. Was there ever a time when, you know, you had everything stripped from you like this and you were worried about what other people were going to think of your situation? You know, there's, I think there's a moment in football where there was kind of the di- the doubters. I don't want to say the haters or whatever, but, you know, I just remember working out at my old high school, you know, and they're like, I remember a guy came out in the field and was like, hey, man, it's been five years. It's time to move on. And this is right before I got signed. And they just, you gotta, you gotta be, you gotta be self-aware. You know, I knew my talent. Like I've snapped at the call. I, like I'd worked. I knew my level of skill in football. Like I just was like, it's a matter of time, right place and opportunity for me. I just knew my skill set. Now my music career, I bailed on that pretty quick because I was self-aware. You know, I wasn't like playing outside Sixth Street here in Austin because I was like, no, no, I'm going to make it one day. I think if you're self-aware and you know like what you're good at or where you're headed, it's hard. Being an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, or a creator, you have to have a vision and you need to surround yourself with other people that understand what the doubt is like um, with that lack of a safety net is like and it takes a lot of you know self-fortitude it really does um but there's you know there's definitely times you 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 wonder but i'll say like i was i cared more what people thought when i was doing well because it's like that's interesting yeah it's like i wanted to have a perception of like i'm I'm supposed to be here. I'm not, you know, it's like imposter syndrome maybe. Um, but it's like, oh, I got to put on this facade. I got to pretend to be more mm-hmm. professional. I can't reinforce it. Yeah. And like, yeah. Talking about swearing and cussing and stuff. Like now I take conference calls. I took a conference call with 12 people from a huge nonprofit, a client. I was in, on a river in Montana and I had it in the background <laughs> and I dropped, I'll say shit. Not like in a disrespectful way. Like I'll say like a strategy. I was like, that's total bullshit. It's not how we're going to do it. You know, like I'll just like be myself, but they know that going in. It's not like I just surprise people. It's like mm-hmm. now it's more free to be myself um, and um, only working with certain types of folks. But they're like, sir, this is a children's Catholic <laughs> <laughs> summer camp. <laughs> and I mean, all the kids yeah, are I'll, around I'll, I'll listening. I'll lock it up for that, you know. <laughs> kids are all horrified. The kids are the listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's awesome. Yeah, no, it, it's also important, I think, to, like you said, have vision, have goals for your life, but to not get obsessed and addicted to very specific or tailored outcomes. Yeah. Right. Cause then, then you're putting too many parameters on yourself for how life is supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And the odds of it going exactly that way are very slim. And I think that's a great way to 
set yourself up for a drastic and heavy disappointment. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't aim high. I'm saying have vision uh, you know, and have an idea of, of what's going to fulfill you and make you happy and be able to mold around that theme as opposed to just being, you know, I'm going to live in a 3,000 square foot house in Idaho and I'm going to do this. And it's just shit gets taken away from you, whether you're, you know, incredibly talented or not at times, you know, exhibit A here. Yeah. If, if you, if you use money as the goal, like once I started removing money as the, mm. as it just at all a goal, everything, money got easier, you know, interesting. Like, and now it's, it's just so much easier. Um, now it comes with, like, I think years and experience too. Yeah, you know, right. I don't want to discount that for any like younger people that are trying to figure it out. Um, but I've made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of, um, I've derailed my path several times because of, you know, opportunity, like in air quotes, you know, like money, like, Oh, this is a great opportunity, but it's like, is that who I am? Is that what I want to be? I was just, you know, again, I think it was the, the, that North Dallas kid in me that was like hearing the, the people that I knew just, it was all about money. And so mm-hmm, right now I don't care. I'm like, okay, what is rock bottom for me? Now, don't get me wrong. I have an amazing family support system. So like, my life is not as bad as, you know, some people don't have any support system. Yeah. We've talked I'm, about that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, so like I'm fine, you know, like ultimately like life is pretty cush in like perspective, like if I zoom out, but like the prideful, like I'm not going to like move back in with my parents type of thing. Like right for rock bottom, it's like I live in my car. Like for a lot of people, like that's kind of like a rock bottom move, I would say. And I'm kind of like, okay. Like I, I've made living in my, I've made right. rock bottom pretty, pretty awesome in my, you know, my, yeah. now if my, if I can't fill up my gas tank and I'm stranded, that's a little bit different, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I kind of just have that nothing to lose feeling and mentality now. Cause I've been robbed so many times. Like I've been robbed in my home twice in Dallas, like kicked Damn. my dog, stole everything, stole my bowl rings from football, anything that was valuable Jesus. when my my office was robbed the two times in COVID. They even got down. They stole, they ripped TVs off the wall. They stole the beer out of the fridge. And so like valuables to me don't really have a lot of va- like meaning anymore. Um, it's all about like relationships. It's about art. It's about um, getting messages from people that saw a video and it inspired them to take an action or call their their dad or whatever. Like that's the stuff for me that's like, I got to freaking make more content. I got to, you know, like that's just like, dude. Yeah. That's part of the why now, right? It's definitely a big part of it. It's the part of it. Yeah. Just to, to jump into a couple of your reels, uh, the angels landing hike. When was that? Was that recently? No, it was a year ago. I posted it with, with the recently. ice. I've been, I'll, I'll resurface some of my yeah. stuff, but it was this time of year last year. Yeah. We just did that last April and I don't know if you've seen it, Seth, but it's just, it's a Jordan Peterson quote or or little speech there with it but it's great and it's ice covered like what we did just completely ice covered he's holding on to the thing and filming himself it's very dangerous but i did not have spikes either (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that was a a sketch i saw that part and i'm like oh that's that's where i had to film too like look at this freaking part like that little a little jut out and then it curves up into the you're holding the rails but that one little section there was like I love the shoulder seasons and the off seasons. There's no one there. The weather sucks, Mm -hmm. but like the photography is so much better. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> you get these storms blowing in and it's, right. it's you're awesome. not editing out millions of people. Right. And right. I don't like lines. Like <laughs> I'll, I'd rather yeah. go to the, like the back country or something, just kind of get away. Right. And the other one that hit me recently was the, um, I want to say kind of the imaginary girlfriend or relationship sort of vibe that you had and the cinematography in that was phenomenal. I must've watched that like five times. Like what is the, wow, like what's going on here? <laughs> like I, it really hit me. Um, and I don't know if that comes from like, a, I mean, I don't know your relationship status, but like a you're living out camping and in your car and like that sort of solitude is wonderful but at times must be like like that part of life is nice too yeah i was sitting there making dinner one night and it was kind of the end scene where it's like the dude's solo yeah it's like this the the real people are listening don't know it's just like this like romantic date scene but i keep it kind of faceless like nose down just the to like focus Mm -hmm. in on the details of the like nonverbal communication of the mm-hmm. mood and like the taste of the steak or like the way it's hands are in the wine and just the, all the, those details. Um, and the only time you get like a full like frame shot is at the end when I'm solo in this lonely apartment with shitty lighting. And I was sitting there one night just eating a steak by myself in that exact setting. And I wasn't like depressed or having a sad night. I just was like, I just got inspired and I was like, man, I've sat across the table here with my girlfriend and it's just crazy how you can be in the same place and the mood can change and the vibe can change. Mm. And, um, we were, we did in fact break up, but it was like a kind of a slow, like, Hey, we know this is not going to work. Let's she, so we filmed that after we were, we already knew we were breaking up. And so we called, I called that like on TikTok. I called it last date. And so people were like, why is this the last date? It looks like the first date. And then I just said, based on a true story, <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> like you know, just is, it's the last date. We just enjoyed our time together. And I was, it was kind of weird. Cause I had this, um, moment of inspiration where I was like, man, I just kind of want to recreate this guy sitting in his apartment alone and mm-hmm. thinking about the good times. And then, um, kind of had a, a little window there where I was like, okay, this feels right. Hey, you want to make this video? She's like, yeah, let's go. That's, that's awesome. really cool. That's, that's even more beautiful than I e- even could have imagined. That's cool. Yeah, Seth, you gotta you gotta look at that one. It's it's really well done. I'm trying to find it. It's it's up it's top. Gotta, it, it looks like a girl's hiking. That's yeah, the cover photo. Oh, okay. Yeah, play it. Okay, I'll play it. I'll watch it after because yeah. um, Aaron needs to tell us a couple Bill's stories. Yeah, we promise we'd return to that. We yeah, got so you, I, Buffalo Bills fans. Don't worry. I got a rookie. I was in rookie mini camp with them. So that's like the equivalent of like an NFL tryout. Now you don't just like go to tryouts. You have to be like, you know, it's a whole different thing in the NFL. And, um, my kicker from, from UTEP, he went with me, one of my best friends. And we, cause he was good. He was also really good. And, um, that year I was with, uh, the draft class was Marshawn Lynch and then Trent Edwards from Stanford, the quarterback, the guys, and then like Paz Lesney, the linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was a really good draft class for the bills, like overall. Um, and so, uh, I just snapped there for like a week. And I remember one day we were sitting there watching film from practice 
and it's just me and my buddy Reagan. And we're watching a film in this room and he's got his hat. You know, you're just sitting there like you're in a dark room. You're not like we're leaned back, feet up. His hat's kind of like on his head, half ass on there, half kind of tilted, just like you'd be sitting there studying or whatever. Mm -hmm. And this guy comes in and jokingly is like, hey, kid, your hat's on back uh, or like your hat's on crooked. And then Reagan just kind of puts it on straight and the guy leaves. And he was like, it was that guy. And I was like, "Uh, that was Hall of Famer Jim Kelly. (laughs) <laughs> just like <laughs> i'm sitting there jaw to the floor and reagan has no idea who he is and uh i was just like wow this is we're definitely in the buffalo bills facility i mean i was freaking the guy <laughs> that's crazy. So that was like one of my favorite bills moments um but fast forward uh another teammate of mine one of my best friends uh jordan palmer quarterback uh for he, now he trains quarterbacks, trains all the top guys. So he was with the Bears and was tearing it up, but then got injured. Uh, they brought in Jimmy Clausen. They had a quarterback competition. So Jordan got cut in preseason. Like a day later, he gets signed by the Bills, like Wednesday. And uh, my other good friend here in Austin is, is like, hey, dude, Palmer just got signed by the Bills. I think he's going to start Sunday. You want to go? And I'm like, I didn't know he got cut, <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, yeah. what, you know? And so we look it up and we just booked tickets and bought four front row tickets. Cause in Buffalo in the preseason front row seats are like $12. <laughs> they were back then. Nice. <laughs> you know, we just bought a bunch of seats and just in case we met friends and, uh, bought Bill's hats and like wanted to be like f- super fans. And, uh, he ended up playing like almost the whole game. He told me he was supposed to only play like, a little bit in the second half. Well, EJ Manuel was the quarterback. It was just not good. And they really wanted to give Jordan like a shot, see how he does. And he was supposed to run like five, six plays here and there because he just got there. And they opened the playbook for him for three quarters. And he threw like four interceptions. He has, <laughs> doesn't know the guys, doesn't know the routes. He's been a Chicago Bear and was tearing and just throws to the the Detroit Lions the whole game <laughs> instead of the Bills. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're doing Instagram stories and all this stuff. And, like, his wife is like, are you guys there? You know? And so, he has no idea we're at this game. And, like, he's on a golf cart after the game just like, well, I'm cut, just depressed. Like, I'm in the <laughs> middle of Buffalo. My family's in Orange County. Like, I'm across the country. He's just, like, just had a shitty day, you know? And he's pissed because he's like, we weren't supposed to do this. And then me and my buddy see him and we're like, yo, Jordan. And he just kind of looks over and sees us. And he's like, yo. And just like, so we just had like the best night of drinking beers at some bar in Buffalo after he just threw a bunch of picks. So it went from like this <laughs> horrible night for him to like, what are you guys doing here? In Buffalo? Yeah, that's so awesome. That that's just, awesome. I, so for me, I know that's not like the most epic story, but like for me, I now just love watching Bill's games. Cause I've had a chance to like, you know, Here we go. Most shared episode. This is going to be now. Yeah. <laughs> I had a chance to like wear the helmet for a week. And then like my buddy was there. I got to experience a tailgate. It's wild. I've been once. It's nuts. Dude, it, it, what's hilarious too is like in Dallas, you know, we just have like this billion dollar stadium. It's like the private school of the NFL. And like you go to Buffalo and they're like, dude, what do you think of the upgrades? 
I'm like, what upgrades? <laughs> it's like a new bathroom <laughs> with a sidewalk that goes to it. It's just like, it's like a high school football stadium. I mean, it's like so blue collar and just purely about football. Yeah. It's in awesome. like the coldest town. So, uh, I <laughs> love rooting for the Bills. Love Josh oh, Allen. There's mm-hmm. no fans like them. They're the best. <laughs> I love it. It yeah. is crazy. Our, uh, our good friend, um, Brett Blakely, who's actually the first person on this, uh, podcast is uh he has a golf ball company now encore golf they've been our you know part of our one of our sponsors throughout this but uh they have a little endorsement deal with josh allen which is kind of cool so he got to he i think he like has golfed him a bunch of times like mm-hmm. knows him it's kind of neat mm-hmm. so he's yeah he's super, a nice guy. one of the nicest guys ever yeah he's he's good people very cool that's yeah. all i got today what do you think yeah, no, that, that's great that was a i think a, awesome episode yeah pleasantly uh yeah pleasantly entertained and surprised with like all the all the depth from deep snap seeing a theme here yeah. aaron thanks so much for your time man uh you're welcome the oh, other, yeah not oh. you i always thank you aaron, but <laughs> thanks aaron squared <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah no i appreciate y'all having me i mean uh, you know i don't feel like i should ever be on a photographer's podcast because i'm like looking at everyone else out there that i think are just putting out bangers every day and so i feel humbled to even chat with y'all but you should be on a mindset podcast and i'll tell you what uh you fit the bill for that so there you go awesome there you go till next time gents all right see ya